Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 237. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinetsky. Hello. Hey, that's me. I've got two thumbs. And I'm at home. Me too. Um, you might have noticed last week we did not record on time. That was my fault. I was on a family vacation and I decided to get the coronavirus, so... Oops. I but... just got a normal cold. Well, that's nice. Corey got it, it's kind of shitty too, but... because, like, it was like a, a normal cold, which like sucked. Like, normally, you'd be totally like, "Okay, we get why you're at home," but it sounds like during like COVID era, it's like, "Okay, dipshit, you have a normal <laughs> cold. Like, you're not special." Like, I feel like a dick for like being upset that I have a normal cold. Yeah. So saying you have a cold doesn't really hold any water in today's society. Like, if you don't get the name brand. Yeah. No, I got. The, I, yeah. No, I got. I got the fucking super cool or the super chill of like illnesses. Hey man, it's, it's not even the RC cola. It's not like yeah. Like, I just got the super chill. Like RC cola is like you don't want it, but like if you get it, like you're kind of pleasantly surprised. I am like, usually pleasantly surprised with RC cola when I drink it. Yeah. You never go out of your way to get it, but like no. if somebody. Well, and so I think like RC cola is like that's your, that's like the Omicron of like illnesses, right? Now. <laughs> like that's like you're like you don't want it, but if you get it, you're like, oh, thank God, thank God I got RC. I didn't get like the like really shitty one. <laughs> and the irony <laughs> is with that, like I had Omicron and like I'm vaccinated and boosted, whatever. So like it felt like a cold, and the colds now are getting to be like really ferocious. So it's almost a I don't know, it's double edged. But anyway. yeah, no, I, I took like. <laughs> three tests i'm like this is a bad cold uh, nope just a cold just a shitty cold so cory got something too that's like he's he's been out like he's been in the hospital once in the last three days too from it and it's still not corona he's so I don't know is um d- did he wash his water bottle up <laughs> the, this is the fuzzy water bottle coming back isn't it <laughs> it might be a fuzzy water bottle again <laughs> Anyway, uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Sorry, it's a little bit unorthodox this week. Uh, as long as nothing else uh, implodes, we will be back to the regular studio and regular schedule starting this coming weekend. But uh, yeah, we've got a full docket episode 237 for you. Um, before we get into any of the topics or anything else, I want to briefly touch on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. On this customized site, you will find two open-ended levels of support for content consumers like you to support content producers like us. Website, once again, is patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. Um, I have a Nordeast that one of our patrons, Tucker, uh, brought to me while I was in COVID hell, and it's delicious. What are you drinking? I have my um, Spotted Cow, which it's I didn't better. have to come here to get. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> I love it. Because, as you're saying off air, my friend Darren was in town uh, over uh, Christmas, like New Year's ish time. Mm-hmm. And, like, Christmas Eve day, Christmas day, um, his, like, dad, like, had to reschedule when they were going to do their Christmas, so he ended up not being able to do anything for most of Christmas. Oh, that's fun. And so he, I'm like, oh, dude, I'll be home in a little bit. And then, like, Jana's, like, family thing took forever. And so he ended up driving from Circle Pines to Hudson to Hopkins back to St. Paul. Man, he just went he had to go to Hudson Buffalo, get Minneapolis beer. suburbs. Yeah, he, went, he had to go to, like, Hudson to get beer. They had to drive like, all the way across town to, like, go to the Christmas thing and then come home. To, like, go to bed. <laughs> all then the next day, he had to go back to Circle Pines to, like, go to his dad's thing. Because apparently his dad and his mom, like, they're divorced, but they both live in Circle Pines still. Which is weird because, like, it's a town of, like, well, 20 people. I Well, okay. That's actually kind of normal. I feel like the, the wealthier your family, the closer your divorced parents live to one another i don't think his i don't think his family's terribly wealthy very good point because like didn't like kanye west like move in literally across the street from kim kardashian i do not follow pop culture but that's uh, actually a thing that happened okay which is hilarious (laughs) because like now i imagine i imagine like pete davidson or whatever her like new guy is he just like walks around kanye west's old house like naked (laughs) <laughs> looking out the window. <laughs> oh. oh, just getting his man beanbag filth on everything. 
Yeah, just, and Kanye West is just like upset, <laughs> just having a freak out like across the street, like stomping out his yard, like, just waving his fist in the air. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I guess first topic is me this week. Uh, CES is currently going on; has been for about a week. Uh, that's out yes. in Las Vegas, and normally that doesn't have much for car news, but now that everything is becoming electrified. That's starting to become kind of a place for manufacturers to drop news. So I want to talk about two different products from two different companies. Uh, first one being the new Silverado EV, which is the first ever yes. production vehicle to uh, come with 24-inch wheels standard. And I apologize for the keyboard noise. For whatever reason, the link I grabbed doesn't have any information about the actual story. So here's a different one. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was for a uh, podcast, so that's a link. Well, I mean, the Autoblog uh, website is actually, I mean, it's it's a, a journalism source, but they also do a podcast, so yeah, I grabbed yeah. the wrong one. But anyway, this is no. very much, no. it feels no. like an Escalade EXT or an Avalanche, because it's not body on frame, and it's got kind of that weird unibody bed to it, but they're going to call yeah, it the Silverado. It, it's a big, dumb ute. Like, it's a big, shitty, um, like, Honda Ridgeline. Basically. Oops. I don't like it. This is really dumb. Or, I mean, it's more EV stuff, but, like, this is Chevy, so, I mean, it's just like Volkswagen. They're going to find a way to ruin this product. Doing more EV stuff isn't inherently good. Like, you can still fuck up an EV really easy. Like... And it's still a pickup truck. Very, very easy to do. The dumbest form factor of vehicle out there. So, I don't know. But, I mean, you know this is going to come from Chevrolet. It's going to come from GMC. We're going to see a Dodge one at some point. Because with things like the uh, the Lightning and the Rivian R1T coming out, like they need to answer. So, it's the price point that they're claiming for the absolute base models, forty grand. And the range and all that, and motor configuration seems fine. But I mean, this is like everything else we've seen. It's like the Audi e-tron from a year and a half ago. Like this is literally just saying, "Ah, oh, fine. Here's my C assignment because I have to submit something to pass this class." You know, um, this is like semi-related, but like a little different. Um, GM also is no longer the number one auto manufacturer in the United States. Didn't Toyota, Toyota just overtake that? Yep. As of last week, Toyota overtook them. See, that's a better and, start uh, than this. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, that may, this is kind of, like, part of that. Because, like, all right, so Toyota, like, they're not even attempting to make an EV. It's just, like, it is what it is. I think if there's any reason that Akio Toyota ever gets removed from his position, that will be why. Yeah, um, their decision and actually opposition to full electric vehicles irks me quite a lot because I love Toyota. Yes, well, I think that they're doing it for a good reason. Um, it's like I kind of see what they're trying to do here because, like everybody else in the world, is making EVs. You have it's kind of like with fuel injection in the eighties. Everybody was all doing fuel injection in the eighties. And everybody was doing it differently. But when Ford got into doing fuel injection in the mid-80s, everybody had done all the homework for them. They just went with what is now a, the standardized fuel injection systems on most cars, like, for well, up until direct injection, where you had, like, the little two-pin, the plug goes on the side, the fuel feeds from the top, you know, a top-feed fuel injector, like... A 1986 Ford Mustang fuel injector is, like, totally interchangeable with, like, a 2015 Honda fuel injector. Injector, They're the same. They even have, I think they even have, like, the low impedance injectors. Like They're high impedance. They now. That was one of the, yeah, high 86 yeah, high was impedance. the first year that you really saw high impedance injectors. Because that style injector, like something that looks just like it, was around yeah. in 1981 with the BMW system, the Bosch uh, Motronic. But, yeah, they yeah. were low impedance. If you put one of those in a modern ECU, you're going to fry it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so with, like, Ford, like, in the late 80s, they went with the modernized high impedance injector Everything was interchangeable. They never had to change anything with the fuel system. I think that's probably what Toyota's doing. 
And in the meantime, what they're doing is they're working on an infrastructure that's going to be used for hydrogen. Another thing that's really useful for hydrogen or something other than electric, electric is that fuel system is not just useful for cars because pretty much everything in the world's internal combustion engine and it doesn't always make sense to go with evs example airplanes right now batteries try to make a ev airplane most of your payload capacity is going to be batteries so yeah. toyota trying to go with like hydrogen or something or whatever they're Synthetic not fuels, gasoline eh? yeah they could use that technology to market it towards air horns or something if it doesn't work out for cars so I see where Toyota is going with it, and it's not ideal, but it kind of makes sense. I, I see where they're going with it. But that being said, uh, Toyota sticking with what they know, doing something good, letting some everybody else do the homework, um, is also very synonymous with just Toyota as a whole. Like Toyota has never been move, yeah. Which is yeah, why they're weather they the do... shortage so well. Yeah, and that's why they that's why they whenever they do make a move, they totally crush it. Like and GM on the other hand, GM um, moves slow and breaks stuff. They aren't the fastest. They aren't the first to market. They aren't like a Tesla, but they're also not as competent as Toyota. So yeah, there's a very good reason why GM is no longer number one. Also, remember that the Tahoe and like most of their trucks, they moved to independent suspension a few years ago. Nobody wants that on a giant truck. Like. These trucks like Tahoe's and stuff, although they're never used for towing, people have this like weird Oedipus complex where they're like, I need to be able to tow everything all the time. And then when they see, oh, my Tahoe is independent suspension, now I'll buy, go buy like literally anything else. Yeah, they're going to go so. buy a 2500 pickup or something. Uh, I don't like how the unibody, not the unibody, the uh, IRS Chevy full-size stuff looks at all. Like, I thought the GMT oh, FM2 or whatever prior to that she looked okay. I don't care anything about the solid axle. And you know those sheep are buying based on the spec sheet, which isn't any worse. Yeah. But Well, actually, another thing with that, the spec sheet is, have you seen, have you ever actually looked underneath the new Tahoe's? Oh, like, no. Yeah. Like, all the ground tires. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like oh, their suspension is, like, way down low. So that's another part of the problem is, like, that's something that shows up on your spec sheet. And it's like, I, I it, it's just typical GM generally sucking. Chrysler's doing this. So we're, I'm sure we're going to have our bailout of American auto manufacturers in 15 years. It's <laughs> kind of on schedule. So American auto manufacturers, they get a bailout. They're good for about, good-ish, for about 15 years. Then they suck for 10 years, get a bailout, and the whole cycle continues again. That's what always happens. I don't know if it's going to be 15 years, but yeah, the decisions are a little bit questionable. And how the buyer reacts is changing, too. Because, I mean, remember 10 years ago when Ford introduced the EcoBoost 3.5? Like, nobody's going to buy a full-size truck with a V6, and now it, like, everyone is specking yeah. that engine. So I'm just not sure if, like, the unibody thing for towing, for your, your point, is going to make any difference to the prospective buyer. or I think it will. If this, I mean, this is going to be an IRS vehicle, so if that dumps ground clearance too, maybe that will be, you know, an issue. But. I think the, the unibody's huge because um, Ridgeline's got a lot more clout after they went to a, a separate bed. And the thing is, is for like the 0.1% of people that actually use their trucks, being able to replace just the bed is very important because that's the part that gets all of the wear and tear. And right now, if you're putting all the wear and tear on a Silverado, you're, 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 you have to scrap the whole truck. Yeah, drilling rivets and all that kind of stuff just to change the bed. Not necessarily a good idea. Well, it's it's not just drilling rivets. Like, I mean, you're having to replace bodywork. You have to put in body filler. You have to – it's a big deal to replace that. Like, because a lot – I mean, you see those trucks where it's like they put in something really heavy and, like, bent the frame – like, bent the bedside. Or, like, the bedside, like, cracked or something because it was overloaded, like, you can just replace a bed. And that's why you see, like, but again, every nobody OBS that, has a different colored bed. Like those, because, That's back when trucks got used, though. Now everyone's just buying these to commute in. And, yeah, everything is, is worse. I mean, the bed's smaller, the, to Scott's point in the chat. The payload's lower. 
Um, yeah. To your point, repairing it's going to be a lot more expensive, but like these don't experience any wear and tear anymore. So I think they're moving that way because I know nobody gives a shit. Well, no, that's the thing is it doesn't experience it, but it, it the two percent of the point two percent of people that actually do use it, mm-hmm. the other ninety nine point nine eight percent of people that buy it look at the point two percent that use it because yeah. this whole thing is a whole image thing. It's like a cowboy thing. Where if a cowboy is no longer a macho man, why are you being a cowboy? Yeah, but like, I mean, that's kind of sure. what this is like. Is you get this truck because you want to look like you're a big macho man, but you're not. But macho but, cowboys are still perception people. Exactly, but that's the thing is what. Well, I'm saying is like these buyers are the people that are trying to be the Marlboro man. Sure. Or something. Well, I mean, look at the image they're, on the, the the stream. I mean, this thing is out in the middle yeah, of like yeah, Montana. They're, they're trying on a, to do that. As <laughs> as soon as those actual people aren't doing that, they're not going to buy this. And yes, real men do get a Prius, but um, that that's not what you like. That, that's the thing is like they buy it because they they think that's what's cool. But like in ten years, if that's if it's no longer the Chevy Silverado, that's the cool thing. What else are they going to buy? It's going to not be this. So I still think, yeah, yeah right now, absolutely, you are 100% correct. But I think in four or five years, it's going to be a complete non-issue. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's I think it's different with Silverados. I, I think that you can pull the engine out, you can do whatever, because you can't hear an engine in a photo. Like, your memory doesn't, like, you don't have an image in your mind of an engine running. You think of it, like, as a car enthusiast, yes. But it is like Joe Blow, like some guy that doesn't know the difference to a V10 and a V6. Like, um, they're not going to know the difference. Oh, they'll but synthesize you... all that. Don't worry, and then they'll charge you every month for it too. <laughs> oh, if but you want the V8 you... engine sound package, that's twenty bucks a month. I think the form factor is going to be the biggest issue for trucks because be. I mean, we saw that specifically. With the, we've seen that with the Ridgeline. Nobody bought the Ridgeline. Well, everybody talks shit about the Ridgeline because the Ridgeline wasn't a conventional looking truck and this is not a conventional looking truck and i think i think that the ford lightning is gonna just like eat this thing alive i think so too the specs are much better um and it and it came to i shouldn't say came to market first neither one of these is for sale but you know we saw it earlier so also the rivian too if we we think of that as well it's another truck with a separate bed so actually no it doesn't have a separate bed no that's a unibody like this looks like it yeah, it and, looks but like you gain a lot more versatility. I mean, they get that pass-through pocket on the Rivian. This has some really cool, innovative stuff in the front. Um, but yeah, the Lightning, I think, is a better way to ease people into it yeah. than these. Yeah, th- this is going to be a dud. You know what this is going to be? It's going to be like that 2.7-liter four-cylinder they tried to put into these. <laughs> I remember talking about that engine on the podcast when they announced it. And I'm like, it was ah. immediately just a terrible <laughs> idea. I've never seen one running. I've only heard of them. We're being like, yeah, my buddy bought one and it blew up immediately. That's all I've heard. Like that's been like strange review. How putting a super stressed out direct injection turbocharged engine that runs on regular fuel in the hands of idiots was a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, why why didn't Lamborghini ever make a V12 pickup? <laughs> this is why. Like, like pretty close. Up immediately. Like, <laughs> That, that's why you would never get like a dual car, a, like a dual quad setup on a truck, because the person that buys a truck can like barely fog a mirror. They're not going to know what to do with dual quad carburetors. That's why the LS like, is so great. That thing just doesn't care. But yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Is like ever like for time in memoriam, trucks have always had just the simplest powertrain because the owners are morons. So, well, we all right, let's talk about that. smart people and things that they buy. All right. Um, nope, I still got yeah. those two parts to this. We're still oh, we do? CBS. Oh my god, there's more? <laughs> what else do we talk about this horrible uh, The only other one I wanted to talk about, and this was a CES announcement, even though the company really has nothing to do with CES. Uh, there's a, a startup in New York that deals with battery technology, and they've got, I'm sure it's one of many, but they've got a, uh, a second gen, I'll call it, Model S. So the first facelift, but not the current car. Uh, they took out the 100 kilowatt hour battery pack that it comes with, the long range, and they put their own cells and battery controller into it, bringing the battery capacity from 103 kilowatt hours to 212, 
I want to say. I think wow, that's what that's it was. Than Neo. And then they Neo road tested it, and it got, I think, 752 miles with the standard Model S efficiency. But the questions I kept seeing cropping up that weren't answered or how much does it weigh. And then the other one that's huge is will the battery cells actually last or will they deteriorate like crazy? Because, I mean, the original, like, 60, 70, and 85 kilowatt hour Teslas are very longevitous because those batteries can't dump or receive current that quickly and they're not that energy dense. So companies are constantly making headway with all this kind of stuff, but I really am curious to see if something with that kind of energy density can, I don't know, if that can actually stay viable for the long term. So I'm really excited to see breakthroughs in battery technology. And then Mercedes unveiled the EQXX, which was kind of a cool, lightweight, streamliner vehicle, too, where they that had... Sounds, that sounds like a, a weird porno version of EQXX. <laughs> That's the EQXX. <laughs> oh, they discontinued that one already. But um, Mercedes was... You can only get that one in Amsterdam. An air-cooled 100-kilowatt-hour pack that was the size of a first-gen Nissan Leaf pack. And they... Oh, that's cool. It's really cool, and the fact they were able oh, to do that... Lot by pulling, you know, putting tiny motors in them. So the batteries cannot get that hot. Even if you're working at 100% duty, there's still enough thermal capacity there on the bottom just for air cooling on the bottom of the vehicle. So I'm honestly more impressed by the Mercedes concept, which arguably got a lot of airtime versus this little uh, startup here. But energy density, I think, is something I'm going to look into a lot more than sheer battery capacity for the next several yes. years as, you know, my well, car starts to age. I think that's very important about energy density versus bat just adding batteries is it, we're kind of moving away from like very quickly, which I love. We're moving away from the era the era of like the equivalent of an aero car where you yeah. just put an airplane engine in a car to make it faster <laughs> um, <laughs> to make you just a better engine. <laughs> so it'd be cool to see a company that you know pull like a Duesenberg um, like like homing inline eight. <laughs> Like with this, where's my bell? I know, right? You don't have one. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. God damn it. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I you know, I, I see a lot of parallels between the two, and I think it's really important that I'm very excited to see that we're moving past the just get more and to get better, right? Because the getting better is where things get cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, and trust me, I love get more, but get better is like that's what you. Really well, we want. need both, but yeah, it's more interesting to see the tech take over than brute force. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's why I'm more um, interested in heat pumps than I am in large capacity batteries. <laughs> that's a, yeah, exactly. That's very, very <laughs> important because heat pumps need to be in every car. They do. Well, not. I do have a story about those a little bit later. Uh, and how okay, we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to this next thing okay. where um, we're going to do another car buying challenge, actually. I'm into that. Uh, the the car buying challenge, uh, this is a real life one from Jana, who is currently out shopping with her sister, that's why she's not on. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, she has been, as you know, out of a job for several months, and nannying is becoming more of a thing for her. Uh, and now she's at a position where she wants to have something that's not her Sienna to nanny with, because like, the Sienna's kind of like big and kind of ridiculous for carrying literally one kid um <laughs> so what we're looking for is a nanny car for Jana, but this is the thing nannying you can't finance with because you that that's it's such a variable income mm -hmm. it's like trying to finance with tips you just can't do that um so what we're looking for is a car that's under three thousand dollars okay it has to be Post-1997, so it has modern Crash safety. latch uh, car seat anchors. 2002 is when they were mandated to be in all cars. 97 is when the standardization started. Okay. So 2002 is what we would prefer, but you can go back to 1997. She's totally okay with that. She personally is okay with 1995 in newer. Um, I'm not because I don't want to deal. I was going to say, somebody else's like, kid, 97 crash standards. I know a lot of manufacturers implemented those fully before well, 1997. Yeah, it's not but... just that. I, I don't want to deal with being woke up at like 7 o'clock in the morning uh, to put a car seat in your car with a seatbelt, <laughs> which is much a much larger pain in the ass than just popping on three uh, latch like clips. That's so much easier. So that's uh, what I'm saying, 97 to 2002, like somewhere in that era, or and, newer. And auto. And 
Yeah, automatic, I would just say, just to make it easier for her. Um, she can do a manual, but, like, January has enough anxiety with a kid in the car that she doesn't want to deal with, like, knocking the car out of drive, which sounds like a really dumb thing, but I've watched her actually do that before. Don't those she things was, have it, locks? No, no, she she was, um, we were dri- well, we, she was driving my van once, and she had to grab something out of the back, and she accidentally bumped the shifter out of second gear and oh. put it in the new. Okay, you said bump it out of drive. My brain was in the wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she she like oh, she literally like bumped it out of. So she has like like anxiety of like having to deal with the kid in the back, and then bump the car out of gear. So it's a totally weird anxiety thing, but that's just her. That's bad. Um, so, yeah, and so the also uh, Scott said high mile fit. Not happening. Hondas are out. We started the new year with zero accords in our lives. <laughs> and we're all done with that. And so not happening again. They're also worth <laughs> too much right now for anyone you would ever want to get into. Yeah. And they plus having to resell them. I don't want to deal with reselling it. Because this car is going to eventually be resold. Sure. Um, because well, as soon as Jan is able to get a car that's like, any better at all that's she's going to get her actual her goal like her end goal is a pistachio fiat 500 convertible like so, a good vehicle mm-hmm. yeah and it has latch anchors and that's what she wants so that's perfect um so my first uh one if you want to click on my top link eric yep is still loading up for me uh Sorry, the links don't have the details. Is that the Echo or the Vitara? No, you have to click on them. Um, it's, well, I was looking, them, but they're not labeled. So which one do you want to look at first? The one that's at the top, the, the first of the two links that I put on. I opened them I both. Two. They're not labeled. Which car do you want to look oh. at first? Oh, you opened them both. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the 2000 Suzuki Vitara. Boom. I think that's a solid choice. It looks like hell. Um... <laughs> The price is bananas. Is this the 2.8 uh, V6, though? Um, maybe? It doesn't say. Oh, it is the V6. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, it is the V6. But it says 2800 bucks. I think if I could talk the guy down to, like, two, it'd be okay, because this is still four-wheel drive. Um, it's still in Seattle, which is huge for the price, because you know I could bring this back to Minnesota and sell it for much more. If I get a new bumper and a new mirror on it, yeah, um, it's clean because it's from the PNW. Yeah, and so I also think that another kind of important thing is that, yeah, it's a 2.8 V6. It's not the most desirable one. It's got the leather seats though, and if anybody's ever tried to clean up like kid disgustingness, leather seats make it so much easier. Mm-hmm. That's why that's an upgrade. Like, nobody actually likes sitting on leather seats. Right, it's all for kids, yeah. Yeah, it's for kids. <laughs> it's more durable than vinyl, and it cleans up easier. Like, that's why you get leather seats. So I think this one would be solid. Um, I would prefer a four-cylinder, but I just I couldn't, in a short period of time, find a four-cylinder for sale. Yeah, that would be mainly fuel economy for Jana, because I know how little she makes. I, I, I know where you're coming from on this one, but I think I yeah. got something. Yeah, and also... I mean, the main kid she's nannying for is, like, two miles away. So it doesn't need to go that far. This sure. just has to drive the kid from the kid's house to their school. Sure. That's it. And, like, maybe to, like, Roseville. Like, it's not that far. So the fuel economy is a little bit worse than her van, but the fact that it's, like, physically smaller, I think, would actually outweigh that. Definitely. Yeah, so what's your first pick? My first pick, I'll start with the one I like less. Um, so yes. I found, and I'm looking locally because I know you said you want something from the Pacific Northwest, but I know also how inconvenient it is to take any trip and the cost of even fuel at relatively cheap prices to get anything. Yes. So I found an 04, and it's a Honda, so don't hate me, but it's a Civic yep. sedan with leather seats. It's got So I was thinking of these. Because this is the one generation of Civic yeah. that isn't plagued by theft. It just, there's nothing that anybody, the only thing worth stealing off of these cars are the alloy wheels, as this one has, and for like 
if you really, really, really want to get into it, mm-hmm. the valve cover and the crankshaft <laughs> are the only things desirable off these cars because it's got a coil-on-plug valve cover for a D-series for engine, series, yep. and it's got a 1.7-liter crankshaft for a D-series. Like, that was the only things we're stealing off of this. This thing's so this is a great car for, for the leather. Four doors, because you do not want a two-door with kids. It's freshly serviced. Um, Actually, doesn't have a lot yeah. of hot cancer. This thing's pretty clean. Yeah, this is really nice. Um, and it's this is like, I'm actually going to send this over to my friend Bo because he was looking for a Honda for his friend's kid. Um, so this but, definitely isn't a Minnesota car with how clean it is, but like, that's a pretty rare trim level. It's an 04, so it's got everything she needs. Yeah, no, this is really nice. It's solid. This, this is like almost way too nice. And like they recently did the timing belt, which is huge. Yep. Um, and, and the AC and works. Honestly, that, that's like a, the only thing that can kill this engine is the timing belt. So this is a great, a great pick. And they need a transmission service. This thing How is, is this it's a solid pickup. It was only posted three days ago. And it's on Craigslist. That's why. Marketplace stuff sells way too quick. Craigslist yes. is ghost. Also, Craigslist is like just boomer town now. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you go to like get like actually really good deals these days. Both my picks are on Craigslist. Both yours are on Marketplace. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, All right. Your second pick? So well, actually, one thing about this car. Sure. Actually... Jana's, she likes having a two-door for kids. And the reason is she has, like, like really bad anxiety. And so she gets anxious about forgetting to put on the child locks on the doors. So having a coupe for her actually is not a detriment by any means. She actually, her, like, end goal here is like a Camry coupe if like she could not get a I'm sorry uh, Jana that is a fucking horrible idea. She would yeah, get no, sick she's, of that real she's, quick. she's she's done coupe and sedan and van like she's done this before. And like when she had that accord she actually liked having the two doors because she was it, it was just like for her she didn't have to sit there and worry cuz like it's what literally one of those things where she'll actually get like an anxiety attack and have to like pull over and stop and double-check that the doors are locked. So that's a real thing. Um, my second choice here is actually one of the cars she in initially wanted. Um, this is, like, probably the worst of the picks. <laughs> uh, a 2000 Toyota Echo. Because yep. I wanted to talk about... These cars are stupid expensive for no reason. Yeah, look at this. 2,233,000 miles. Yeah, it's a sedan, too, which is, like, way worse than the coupe. Because yep. the coupe on this car is actually, like, way cooler looking. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's it's, it's a not-hybrid first-gen Prius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, like, stupid expensive. And it's not just this one. Like, if you just look up Toyota Echo prices, Toyota Echoes are cheaper. Or they're, sorry, they're more expensive than, like, pretty much anything else made by Toyota prior, between, like, 2000 and, like, 2004. Like, they're way more expensive. I mean, the simplicity and the economy go a long way, but, like, it, it, it's very counterintuitive. I think it's because people know that they're good. And, like, they aren't terribly fuel efficient. Like, it's, like, 32 combined MPG. Yeah. Like, it's not great. I mean, it's just kind of, like... <laughs> I mean, they're great cars, but, like, not for fuel economy. Um... But yeah, so Echo, like at this point, Gideon Echo is like a luxury. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess, that's a lot of money. I mean, I'm sure it's a decent car, but I mean, it's still 22 years old. That might yeah. not even have the car seat anchors. I don't know. It does actually. That's okay. why it's there because this is one of the first cars that Toyota <laughs> released with latch anchors. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, it's just it's such a weird thing that they're just so expensive. Um, no idea. This guy also has the worst possible photos I've ever seen. Yeah, these are these are pretty bad. Like these are horrible. Um, yeah, two hundred and thirty-three thousand miles, and it's still like as expensive. Like, just think of like we could do a twenty-four hundred dollar car, twenty-four hundred dollar car challenge, and you can get cars that get better fuel economy, are more reliable are cooler, are smaller than this. It's just, it's so weird that these pull so much money. Typically, like yeah, unmasked. but 2021, man, it is, it's not good. Not a good time to buy a, a good car. Oh, no, it's terrible. That's that's kind of why we're looking at, as I was looking at, like, the Pacific Northwest, because, like, my dollar will go a little bit further there, usually. 
you know, like if I get something there, it'll have less rust, which will make it easier for me to sell later on. So. I will say, I was cognizant of that when I picked my picks, but the stuff I got clearly are not Minnesota cars that just happened to be in Minnesota. Yeah, so they happen to be here. That so brings me your... to my second pick, which is the car I firmly believe Jana should get, which is a 2003 Toyota Matrix XR. Pretty much rust-free. I agree with. I, I, I totally agree. 2500 bucks, less than 200,000 miles. I don't see rust on it. Looks very clean. No leather, which sucks, but it's, you know, this thing will be fine. It's a it's, it's a solid car. It'll fit a GPR, great at handling kids, reasonably only, good fuel economy. My only gripe with this is onesies, their only Achilles heel is that oil pump. They'll be fine. And that oil pump. Yeah, it, but I mean, like, that's the thing. Is like, that's my only gripe. It's the oil pump. I think, doesn't that oil pump happen around 200? It really varies, but I mean, the automatics are. I have never heard of one screwing off if, if it's if it's on if it's not a problem yeah this would be the play um but yeah no these are great cars they're so fun they're great Jana actually personally wants a matrix quite badly um, before i even introduced this as my option she said her dream car would have been like a red one of these <laughs> like, yeah oh, like that's, okay. that's like ideally <laughs> what she's looking for for this like scenario like again she really wants a 500 uh, yeah. And pistachio but, convertible, but like are this way too be... much right now. I mean, last year yeah, you could, you they're could pick stupid up a expensive. For this, but not anymore. Yeah, no, th this is th this is what you get for now. And then once like the once the, the virus is done and the economy is back to semi normal, in five hundreds are depreciating in value again. Yeah. Then you can go get yourself a pistachio. But um, this this will still yeah, be no, worth. In fact, I think any of these picks you're not going to lose money on, even if you use it for a year or two. So I, I don't no, think you'll be. I think these are these are all solid picks. Um, there is proof in the world that you can still get a cheap, good car. Um, yeah, which is kind of and amazing. it doesn't it doesn't need to be ancient. Which no, I previously thought. I thought it, you like yeah, you're getting like an off brand weird Camry that like has one airbag. <laughs> yeah, all these are relatively modern. They're going to have electronic fuel injection. They're going to have airbags. They're going to have modern crash safety. It's fine. And you see stuff like that, you're like, why the hell are we driving expensive cars around when you could just go get something like that and live with it? Yeah, no. And, like, honestly, they're not. It's not like you have to live with it. The only thing you're living with right now is the automatic transmission that, like, I just kind of threw in as a prerequisite. Because otherwise, you know what we would do is we just get, like, four manual cars that are fantastic <laughs> and it would just be a manual 500 for me i'd go find the cheapest one salvage title and just buy it yeah well also <laughs> then, then you also run to the issue of great now you don't want to get rid of it <laughs> it's just like i know <laughs> makes, it's a lot easier to get an automatic out of your life than it is a manual yeah they're so. not they're not as endearing they don't tug on my heartstrings so yeah so i, I getting automatic and that's the problem is automatic still can do that to me but like these are all cars where i'm like yep I can, I'm okay getting getting out of this because I can go get myself a manual four cylinder of any of these and be better. So, but all right, well let's uh let's tell Jana that the Matrix is her play and that we found it. I think I mean it's in St. Paul. It's got to be no more than five miles from you guys. So it can't possibly be far away. <laughs> all right, moving right along. I think last time we recorded, we talked about those spy shots of the Volkswagen Transporter EV slash Buzz that was running around in Germany. Um, yeah. They finally, Volkswagen, they have given us a production start date for the ID7, the Buzz. And it's not two years from now, like they, you know, we would normally expect with all the pushbacks they've had. They've been showing us this thing for over three years in like pretty close know. to final trim. I'm just like, what the hell? Even with the world situation, I don't fully understand. But anyway, it's going to start production in late March of this year, which is really soon. We still don't have any for sure, you know, um, uh, even like pre-production body Everything has been a rendering or a, a concept vehicle that's a one-off, so I'm still really on the fence with whether or not it's going to look like a standard transporter with some like flower power paint scheme, or if it's actually going to look retro chic. I found some spy shots of it. Uh, yeah, we've, we've looked that. at those, but I'm still not positive that it's going to look concepty enough to really have. Yeah, that no, chic no, I. Yeah, that, that's kind of my thing. Is like the the concept was so rad, but like this is why like 
like I, I've always been skeptical of Volkswagen is every time Volkswagen does a concept, they do a great concept and very rarely does it come to fruition mm-hmm. as, it, as, it, as like it's told. So like, for instance, the big one that everybody thinks of when they think of like concept Volkswagen that came to fruition, everybody goes, Oh, the new beetle. Yeah. That did come almost identical to yeah. the concept. Except for one, yeah. one big issue is the original be- uh, beetle concept was based off of the polo and then they redesigned it off the golf, and now you can wear a top hat inside of it. And it's way too big, and nobody likes anything on it. And the dashboard, you can, like, run track on top of the dashboard. Hey, man, you got but a flower it, holder. I mean, come on. Yeah, but, I mean, like, <laughs> the thing is they, they redesigned the car to be, like, 20% bigger, and it showed. And it wasn't it wasn't for the better. So... That's I'm always a little leery of Volkswagen concepts. Also, Volkswagen, once they put something into production, they're uh, impeccable at finding ways to fuck it up oh, almost yeah. off the bat. I'm curious um, to see how many times once Scott actually gets his that it will be out of his hands in service in the first year. Like, we should it, almost start yeah, a cool no, on that. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's a race between them and Kia for, like... <laughs> Making Scott not have his car. <laughs> Are they going to put like metal matrix lining inside the engine or the uh, motor windings? <laughs> yeah, no, it's you've no idea. Like it's 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 going to be bad. Um, so I, just, I really hope I, it looks alright because I mean the concept. I I, I love it's all you the Volkswagen is the aesthetics. So I I really hope for, for Scott's sake um, <laughs> yeah, that it, it looks better than some of these concepts that I've seen, which are really, like, some of the concepts I've seen, like, looks more like a Renault Espace. Which? You know, it looks like this. I love the Espace, but yeah, it's not nearly as special as what we've been shown for the last three years. Yeah, and like, it, yeah, like, yeah, I like the Espace too, but like, you, you don't, you, you know, it, I like Culver's, <laughs> but if somebody's telling me, we're gonna get a Juicy Lucy, and they bring me a Culver's, and I'm like, I guess it's still a hamburger. Okay. Like, it's not the same. It's two different things. That's a weird metaphor. But anyway, it's accurate. It's not though. wrong. It's just a weird yeah, metaphor. I mean, a, a Reno Espace is not nearly as good as a Juicy Lucy. But like, Did you just compare a minivan from France to a burger stuffed well, with cheese? It's the best way to describe, like... The, the difference, because, like, the Spass is, like, it's good, but it's also, like, it's not, it's not anything you aspire towards. But the Avon Time. Like, yeah, yeah, no, the Avon Time's great. That's based but on like, the Spass, way better. But, yeah, but, I mean, like, the, the Spass is, like, it, it, it's, like, you have to get fast food for lunch, but you get the best possible fast food. You get the most delicious, the best looking the most flavorful, the smelliest, the best one, the one you want. The smelliest. That's the Culver's Butter Burger. Um, but this, what they've been showing us, that's not your fast food. That's a Juicy Lucy from Matt's. That's a that's a hamburger. And and then you get the Juicy Lucy from Matt's, and th- then they drive past Matt's and go to Culver's, and then, then you're just upset. And it, <laughs> that's the thing. That's I'm afraid Scott's going good. He's still going to get a wonderful... You know, Culver's Butter Burger, but it's not a juicy. He's gonna get an eighteen dollar Butter Burger. Yeah, he's gonna be mad. <laughs> so I just don't want that to happen. So, well, uh, hope for the best. Apparently, they're unboxed. They are unboxing rear for what? What? They're unboxing. They're boxing the rear. Oh, they're boxing the rear for the car version. Okay, that'd be kind of cool. I like the idea of them having two different kind of body styles between the cargo and the standard one. That'd be really cool. I think they will. I'm not sure if we're going to get the cargo version here, but in Europe, obviously, that's going to be probably way better selling. Yeah, no, the cargo version would be what they need. I think we need a cargo version, because that'd be, for last-mile delivery services, an EV minivan is exactly what we want. It's going to be like a good HHR panel. Yes, except not an HHR panel. I know, I know. Yes, it's a terrible vehicle. I had to bring it up, though. (laughs) So... Um, speaking of terrible, horrible, no, no good, very bad vehicles, okay. I want to talk about cars with snow tires. I'm and, 100% on board with that. Yeah, snow tires are great, right? Well, in the East Coast, a bunch of people didn't have that because <laughs> there was a backup 
on I-95 in, like, Pennsylvania and, like, other states that went on for, like, more than a day. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't click on it. This is what happens. (laughs) If you had snow tires, it wouldn't be a problem. Like, you just have your your snow tires, and you drive like it's summer. It wouldn't be a problem. Those all-season summer tire people killed Killed. other people. people. No, seriously. Like, honestly, I would... I, I think if you are in a car accident and the other, the person that hit you has all seasons or summer tires, mm-hmm. that should totally be a cause for higher levels of liability. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah, you go to Finland. I mean, there's a mandate for winter tires. If you yeah. are found to be uh, at fault in a collision and your tires are to blame, like, you are yeah. prosecuted, like, hard. Like, you won't drive anymore Why don't we country. do that? Because we don't have a mandate for winter tires. I mean, Canada could potentially do this. I think there's one or two provinces that have that mandate. But, I mean, we are so far away from being able to even mandate winter tires here, which is just annoying. There's a, another thing that I've, like, I've often thought about writing to, like, my congressman about. Is Minnesota, we've been having, like, budget surpluses, like, every year for since we were in high school. Sure. Um, why don't we have a tax rebate? For winter tires. It would certainly save a lot of people a lot of money. And, yeah, and, like, if you have a a tax rebate for winter tires and we have a big, dumb budget surplus, like, that should be something that both sides of the aisle can get behind. Because budget hawks are, are okay, cool, we're giving, or not budget hawks, like, you know, uh, Republican people all said. Like, they're, they're like, cool, you're giving this tax money back to people. And then... You have, like, your namby-pamby, like, safety people that are like, all right, cool, now everybody's safer on the road. Everybody's happy. Like, yeah, no, everybody's just have. It's not like snow tires aren't available for most cars. Like, no, they're readily available. Like, The only caveat I could say is, like, if you are an on-street parking person only, like a city dweller, it isn't really feasible to do two sets of winter, you know, winter and a summer set. Uh, I mean, the, the storage costs, you can have discount tire store them for you, but it's yeah. pricey. So, I mean, subsidizing that, too, would have to happen. And at well, that point, that turns those, into a lot of taxpayer money. A lot of those people also store their bicycle inside their apartment. True. but I So, mean, you just put your snow tires in your closet, in bags. Done. Like... I am on board. Also, I think everyone should have winter tires, no matter what their situation is. But I mean, you still have to look at it from all sides. Yeah, like no, that. and that's how, that's what I'm doing. It's like you also have to consider you live in Minnesota. Like you're, you already have to deal with having jackets and snow pants and boots that you don't wear half of the year. Yeah, that's true. Like adding four tires and wheels onto that isn't that hard. Or, and yeah, if you really don't want it in your house, pay some other somebody else to hold it for you i think there's like three or four all seasons on the market which are like alpen rated all seasons which are in my opinion good enough i mean obviously they're they're substantially worse for hot weather performance but they don't wear out as quick as you're driving a winter tire through the summer i think something like that would be allowable but i mean tread depths too and you know scott wrote in the the comments here on the twitch chat new zealand also he believes has this if your vehicle or you are involved in any collision, even if it would otherwise have been your fault, if your tires are good and theirs aren't, the other person's at fault automatically. Perfect. It should be that way. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. That's like, that's just part of like normal, like traffic safety. Yeah. And I think it should fall on that instead of bringing back things like vehicle safety inspections, because that's a whole different can of worms. But if you are involved in a collision, a vehicle incident, that should be the first thing the officer does is take note of your tread type and depth. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, and the, yeah, that you're, you're absolutely correct. And I think that the, when your insurance looks at the car or the other person's insurance, looks yep. at the, car, the insurance claims adjuster looks at the car, they should also note the tread depth. And then you have two different uh, people that are looking at it that mm-hmm. are not, like actually engaged with the accident. So I think that would actually be really solid. Like, yeah, we, I really think there should be like mandated snow tires. Cause I've also been like, I've been watching, um, 
like my intersection here in front of my house. I just see people just like slide through the intersection, mm-hmm. like full tilt. Cause they go like 45 <laughs> miles down by my street. And then they go full tilt. Like by the time they're stopped at the intersection, stopped quote unquote, they're going like still 20 sliding. Um, and it's just like a lot of people like, in my neighborhood Facebook group, they're like, yeah, people don't stop at stop at stoplights and stop signs. And then like there's somebody saying, well, they might have, they might have bad tires. It's like, that's not a, it's not an excuse. Not crutch, no. Yeah. No. Tires for half the year means you only have to follow the rules. Why would I ever have tires if I don't have to follow the rules then? Like, this is ridiculous. It irks me to no end. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, snow tires. Uh, Get them. Or you should be criminally prosecuted. (laughs) I'll go. I'm on board with that. You know what? One other thing. What? If you have all season tires and you end up in a ditch in in the winter, you should totally, like, triple A should not pay for your tow. You should have to pay for that. Well, that's something you subsidize on your own, so that's a little bit harder to. I don't know. But I mean, like, that's I think like AAA should like have that in their rules. It's like if you slide off the, if you're like, if you live in a northern state where it snows, mm-hmm. and the snow causes you to slide off the road, yeah. and you're at fault. I, that'd be the that should be the same as like, yeah, I was drifting my car and I crashed it, like. It, it, you could still have AAA like, tow you if you do that. If you're drifting around a parking lot and you smash into a light pole, you can still use AAA for that. It's based on your yeah. license or your, your tabs, you know, your tax. I don't like it. Anyway, anyway I want to talk Carry about on. how Tesla is screwing up the EV market once again. We talked <laughs> earlier about heat pumps need to be in every EV, and big ups to Tesla for making that standard in 2021 for their model range. However, I have been... A lurking member of a couple of Tesla groups since I bought my car, just All to right. keep track of this things. This crashed for me for a second. Uh oh, oh yeah. Are you? You should get back into video because right now I've just got like. No, I'm trying to do that. A group of. <laughs> oh, there we go. Hey. I had to restart my webcam like a minute ago too. So, uh, anyway, heat pumps standard in their model range since 2021, which is awesome. I mean that. I cannot credit them enough for that. That's a big thing they did kind of silently, too. I mean, we talked about it, but they that's, like, not in their public spec sheet, which is just strange. Because that, for me, was a huge selling point. I mean, that's the one thing I want in a modern, you know, if I were to upgrade my car at some point, which I'm sure I will. Like, I will not buy one without a heat pump. Yeah. I've been no, talking to Scott right. this week. I mean, he's got the ID4. Much like my car, it's a resistive heat vehicle. Like, it just is what it is. But that thing just grenades battery power we cannot figure out why but like his efficiency is like 20 percent worse than mine yeah the id4 which is a single motor high efficiency yeah like i don't understand exactly we're gonna swap cars for a a weekday or two just to see if it's his commute somehow doing it but neither here nor there i have been looking in the local tesla group and people like a lot of them in 2021 or newer model threes and Ys on the coldest days. So we're talking 15 or 20 below zero Fahrenheit. The heat pump fails and they don't get any heat. And I'm talking resistive fails too. Yeah. The car will take the resistive heater offline. If there's a fault in the heat pump, (laughs) which is just like, uh, okay. That's when you need heat the most. So like, that's a really dangerous proposition. turns out it's some faulty pressure sensors on the air conditioning line set, but I think they need to update the software a little bit on that to just default to the resistive heater if there's a heat pump issue. Tesla, really, they're just like the Model T. The only reason that they're in existence is because they were the first to market with a viable product. Tesla will go the way of the Commodore 64. I kind of hope so. I I think that's what's going to happen is the Commodore 64 was the gaming computer in the 80s, but they didn't update shit. And they were still selling them in the 90s mm-hmm. with just, like, stuff added on. Well, look at that. The Apple, too. I mean, they were still selling the Apple, too, until the late 90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, they, Apple, like, made other things. Commodore just didn't. <laughs> and... I'm sure other things, but nothing good. So, I mean, if you rest in your laurels and you don't innovate... Yeah, just because you were the first to market with a great product and you're still selling it, doesn't mean it's yeah. a great product anymore. Well, it's not like that. Like, I think the other issue is that like 
you can have something that is a better product, but if it's not any more reliable, I mean, that's part of the product. Like it's a very big part of it. So yeah, well, jokes on Tesla. So unrelated news. We're talking about software, so I guess it is related. They updated their their main UI for the center computer. This is the third time they've done that in ten years. So this is a pretty big change. Okay. Uh, when I bought my car, it was like right after the first UI refresh, and I I had never experienced the first one. But for the most part, pretty well laid out. I really can't fault the infotainment system when it doesn't brick the car and turn off my turn signals. Um, the reason I have not updated to this third release, which is called version 11, they removed the heated seat buttons from the screen. Let me say that again. They removed the heated seat buttons from the screen. They're now nested in a menu somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that every EV user uses all the time, yeah, that's not on the screen anymore. Um, let that sink in. Okay. Uh huh. So my car prompts me every morning when I'm in my app preheating it, and every time I get in the car to update. Would you like to remove your heated seat? Yeah, button? and I'm like, nah, I'm good, thank you. I prefer my heated seat button. I use it all wow. the time. Yeah. I'm so happy you don't want a Tesla. I don't want one. I never wanted one, and I hella don't want one. I just that's awful. I hope they backpedal that decision. Well, I'm all absolutely 180 the hell out of this conversation. We're going to talk about a different car okay. without heated seats, which oh, is God. cool, and I want it, and I can't afford it. Your segues are you, just better than mine. That's just that's a thing. I am much better with segues than you. Have you ever heard of the Hirohata Mercury? Not until right now. All right. So you're familiar with what a lead sled is, right? I sure am. So this guy named Bob Hirohata... Uh, he was an he was a Nisai uh, Japanese American person. Okay. Um, made the quintessential lead sled. Like, look at this, the size of the battery under the hood. Yeah, it dude. was made in the fifties, dude. Like, <laughs> this car isn't unchanged. Like, all they've been doing since the fifties when this car was built was maintain it because everything is perfect. Like, you don't change the Hirohata Mercury. Like, you don't change the battery or nothing. Like, you just get another battery of the same size. Wow. Um, God, this car is just so cool. So it was on the cover of Hop-Up Magazine in 1953, Hot Rod Magazine in 1953. It won the 1952 Peterson Motorama. It was on Rod and Custom in 1953. It was in the movie Running Wild in 1955. Uh, and then it was... This sold actual car? Which, yeah, this individual car. Huh. That's why uh, the estimate at Mecham is one to one point two five million dollars. I do see that. Yeah, like that's that, that that's what they're estimating for it. Um, the car is like a greatest hits of everybody in the hot rod world. Um, pinstriping was done by Von Dutch of like Von Dutch fame, like the clothing company. Like he was originally a hot rod pinstriper. Um, Carson Topshop did the custom upholstery in it. The trunk was upholstered by Gaylord's Custom Shop. Um, Those are all done in the period? Yeah, all done in the period. All wow. of this stuff is in period. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really, really rad. Um, the car's been at the Peterson for a while. Um, it's no longer um, It's no longer there. But it's not like the National Historic Vehicle Register wow. uh, in the National Mall. In Washington D.C., uh, it it was first class in Pebbles Beach in 2015. Pebbles Beach, Pebbles Beach, Pebble <laughs> Beach. Sorry, I'm just trying to like. Correct are, are there multiple name. Pebbles Beach? Yes, there's many pebbles on the beach. Um, I'm trying to correctly convey like how amazing this car is to people. Like George Barris um, did. Uh, some of the mild customization work. Uh, it, it was just, it's really wild. Like everybody that was anybody in the hot rod world worked on this car at some point. Um, it's got a 1953 Cadillac 331 cubic inch V8 with triple Stromberg carburetors. Um, chop top. It's got a V'd uh, windshield. If you look at the windshield, yeah, it like ease down. 
Looks like it's um, glass. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, has French nineteen fifty two Ford headlights, uh, nineteen fifty two Lincoln Capri taillights. Uh, the front fenders were extended four inches. Like it's the ultimate lead sled. Like I cannot like say like anything beyond that. Seafoam green, organic green. If you're not watching on video, so like if you've ever seen like think of lead sled. Now think of the one that you've seen that's green two tone. That's the Hirohata Mercury. Um, it's just it's the ultimate lead sled. So it's very very cool. This is coming up for sale, and it's coming up for sale. Um, where you're gonna save yourself a whole bunch of money by taking it to Meekum and than selling it somewhere better for much more money later on. So um, I'm not going to say where that better place would be to sell for more money, but let's just say Meekin is where you go to lose money, um, especially this time of year. So, But it's, uh, it's a very, very cool car. Uh, I'm, I really, really, really wish I had the money to buy this. <laughs> but, yeah, like, even if you're not in the hot rods, like, you get how cool this is. Oh, it's like, very significant, you, more than it's cool even, but... Yeah, no, it, it's this is to hot rod custom culture. Like this is the like Empire State Building of hot rods and customs. Mm-hmm. Like every single part of this car is just flawlessly done. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the pinstriping on the glove box. I did. But yeah, that scrolled like, through a couple times. The coolest mid-century pinstriping on the glove box. Like it's just such a great car. Like even like. The angle of the spare tire they made sure was like just oh, right and everything the when they put it in. Two gallon metal fuel container and the one gallon engine oil container in the trunk. Like, saw that, yeah. Super cool. <laughs> Gotta make sure you don't run out. I mean, imagine when this car was built in '53. I mean, that was a serious concern. That's years before the federal uh, highway uh, interstate act went in. So I mean, yeah. this thing was. You're a long way from everything all the time. <laughs> also, did you take a look at the switch gear on this? All the custom switch gear? I love, yeah, the, I, that looks like custom Bakelite or something, but it's really cool. I think so, yeah. It's like custom plastic. It's like, green it's green and white, and white plastic. Yeah. It's really rad. Um, looks like it's held up so well. Maybe, I'm sure a lot of that was replaced in the 1996 restoration, but... Yeah, I mean, well, when they did the 96 restoration... Um, they kept most of the guys that worked on this were still alive too. Okay. So they kept this as true to form as possible, which was very important for the car, because 1996 is like a really bad time for hot rodding. Um, <laughs> and oddly, the style of this hot rod reminds me most of people that became famous for hot rodding in the 90s. Yeah, because they were repl- they were trying to replicate this. Yep. And. They did so, so poorly. Um, <laughs> and luckily, this one, they did not. In that 96 restoration, I mean, the fact that this um, was displayed on Pebble Beach. Singular Pebble. I was going to say, one. I feel like you almost said Pebbles Beach. <laughs> the fact that this is actually restored, that kind of goes to show how how well they did the restoration to make sure they made this perfect again. So... It's just such a rad car. Like, it's just, it's everything I'd ever want out of a custom. And whenever somebody thinks of a cool lead sled, like, it's so easy to screw up making a lead sled. And they did this just so right. So I'm just really happy about that. So I just wanted to tell everybody about how cool this is. Bring something in from another part of the world that most of our listeners um, have, like, no exposure to. So... It just this looks is, so modern, and it, obviously it's quintessentially fifties. But like, yeah, again, no, no, like, yeah, you would think like this was built in the like nineties, but no, yeah, no, you, you would totally years. think that this was just this was a thing that came out like somebody's like, yeah, I just built a nineteen fifties style modern vehicle. It's like no, this was actually made in the fifties. Yeah, when they say lead sled, this car doesn't have body feel. Oh yeah, no, it's melted lead. Yeah, it's all melted lead. So. <laughs> I'm I'm just really happy to see that this car is going to go to a new caretaker, and uh, emphasis on the term caretaker because I think, like, past the point of, um, gasoline engines in cars and stuff like that. Well, new cars anyway. Yeah, but I mean, like, once like, let's say 500 years in the future, humanity's space and culture. Cars aren't as cool as they used to be. There's a thing now. You have your spaceship. That's cool. Um. I feel like cars like this are going to still be kept and maintained in museums, similar to how you would see 
like a very cool suit of armor or how you would see like a gold damascene dueling pistol or like even renaissance artwork i think that this is a piece of I would equate it to architecture too because i mean there's a lot of functional yeah. aspects in architecture and like that stuff gets maintained and regularly exercised yes. no th this is this is absolutely um a massive piece of american mid-century culture um and even if like nobody knows what this car is by modern standards everybody's seen this at some point mm -hmm. like you've you like in your mind like if you've ever seen anything talking about 1950s custom cars you've seen like this in like the beat that the beatnik bandit like those are the cars you've seen like the monster mobile or something like this is just one of those cars that's like yeah in the 1950s in the mid in the mid 20th century americans customized their cars heavily mm -hmm. example and then you move on and say also like all the women were on Valium, like or whatever you're talking about. Whatever the rest of it <laughs> yeah, happened uh, in the mommy's little helper, whatever they called it. Yeah, mommy's yeah. little helper, and then you talk about like all the other things that happened. Like this is just such a significant piece of American culture. It's like that. This I'm really the thing that makes me most happy about this car is that it's like like in the National Historic Vehicle Register and displayed on the National Mall in Washington. Like that's huge. So. Yeah, no, very cool car. Huge piece of American history. Huge piece of car history. Huge, huge piece of lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna want to wash your hands after. <laughs> if you have, uh, if you have a million dollars burning a hole in your pocket, that seems in like a pretty 2022. Good yeah. yeah, this is this is what you spend it on. This is where you put your millions of dollars in this year. You don't buy your NFT, buy this. So, I think that's my top tip for the uh, end of the episode. <laughs> okay. I got nothing, so that's good enough. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, we will see you next week. Next week. I think we're going to record in person. Yeah, hopefully. I think so. I mean, things could always change, but I'm done with my I COVID bout, and as long as Jana's uh, scare or whatever is going on, it gets better. We yeah, be we're, we're, we're fine, but we had already scheduled everything, so yeah, no, this worked I just this kept way. it this way. And plus, he canceled the Milan party. I didn't want you to have to drive all the way to Chanhassen for no reason. Yeah. So. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye, all. Bye.